Poem of the Man God, Book 1, number 116. Jesus speaks to Nicodemus at night at Gethsemane. Jesus is in the kitchen of the little house in the olive grove, having supper with his disciples. They are talking of the events of the day, which, however, is not the special happening just described, because I hear them talking of other events, amongst which is the cure of a leper near the sepulchres along the Bethridge Road. There was also a Roman centurion watching, says Bartholomew, and he continues. He asked me while on horseback, does the man you follow often do such things? And when I answered in the affirmative, he exclaimed, then he is greater than a scalopus and will become richer than Croesus." I replied, he will always be poor, according to the world, because he never receives but gives and only wants souls to take to the true God. The centurion looked at me, amazed, then spurred his horse and galloped away. There was also a Roman lady in a litter. It must have been a woman. The curtains were not drawn, but she was peeping through them. I saw her, says Thomas. Yes, it was near the top of the bend of the road. She had told them to stop when the leper cried, Son of David, have mercy on me. One of the curtains was then drawn, and I saw her look at you through a valuable lens. Then she laughed ironically. But when she saw that you cured him only by giving a command, she called me and asked me, Is he the one they call the true Messiah? I replied, Yes. And she said to me, Are you with him? Then she asked, Is he really good? Says John. Then you saw her. What was she like? Asks Peter and Judas. Well, a woman. What a great discovery, says Peter, laughing, and the Iscariot insists. But was she beautiful, young, rich? Yes, I think that she was young and also beautiful, but I was watching Jesus more than I was looking at her. I wanted to see if the master was setting out again. Fool, mumbles Judas between his teeth. Why? asked James of Zebedee, defending his brother. My brother was not a dandy in search of affairs. He replied out of courtesy, but he did not lack in his first quality. Which? asked the Iscariot. That of a disciple, whose only love is the master. Judas, very cross, lowers his head. In any case, it is not the right thing to be seen talking to the Romans, says Philip. They are already accusing us of being Galileans, and thus less pure than Judeans, and that because of our birth. Then they accuse of us of staying often at Tiberias, a meeting place of Gentiles, Romans, Phoenicians, Syrians, and then, oh, of how many things they accuse us. You are good, Philip, and you are drawing a veil over the harshness of the truth you are telling. But the truth, without any veil, is this, of how many things they accuse me, says Jesus, who has been quiet so far. After all, they are not completely wrong. Too many contacts with the heathens, says the Iscariot. Do you think that only those are heathens who have not Moses' law? asked Jesus. Well, who else? Judas, can you swear on our God that you have no heathenism in your heart? And can you swear that the most prominent Israelites have none? Master, I do not know about the others, but I can swear with regard to myself. According to you, what is heathenism? asked Jesus again. It is to follow a false religion, to worship gods, replies Judas violently. Which are? The gods of Greece and Rome, the Egyptian ones, 
That is the gods with thousands of names and of non-existent people, who, according to the pagans, fill their Olympus. No other god exists, only of the Olympic ones. Which other ones? Are they not already too many? Too many, yes, but there are many more, and incense is burnt at their altars by every man, also by priests, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, all people of Israel, am I right? Not only, but it is burnt also by my disciples. Ah, certainly not, they all say. No, my friends. Which of you does not have a secret cult or several secret cults? One has beauty and smartness. Another the pride of his knowledge. Another burns incense to his hope of becoming a great man from a human point of view. Another worships women. Another money. Another kneels down before his knowledge, and so on. I solemnly tell you that there is no man who is not stained with idolatry. Why then disdain those who are pagans by misfortune, when you remain pagans by your own free will, although you belong to the true God? But we are men, master, exclaimed many of them. That is true. Then be charitable to everybody, because I have come for everybody, and you are not worth more than I am. However, we are being accused, and your mission is being obstructed. It will be carried out just the same. With regard to women, says Peter, who probably, because he is sitting next to Jesus, is in such a transport of delight that he is very good. For some days, and precisely since you spoke at Bethany the first time after we came back to Judea, a woman, all covered with a veil, has been following us all the time. I do not know how she finds out our intentions, I know that she is almost always either in the last rows of people listening to you when you speak, or behind the crowds that follow you when you walk about, or even behind us when we go announcing you in the country. At Bethany, the first time, she whispered to me from behind her veil, That man, you said, is going to speak. Is he really Jesus of Nazareth? I replied to her that he was, and in the evening she was behind the trunk of a tree listening to you. Then I lost sight of her. But now, here in Jerusalem, I have seen her two or three times. Today I asked her, Do you need him? Are you not well? Do you want alms? She always shook her head, because she never speaks to anyone. One day she said to me, Where does Jesus live? And I said to her, At Gethsemane, says John. You clever fool! You shouldn't! You should have said, Uncover your face, make yourself known, and I will tell you says the Iscariot, bad-tempered. "'But when have we ever asked for such things?' exclaims John, simple-minded and innocent. "'You can see other people. She is always veiled. She is either a spy or a leper. She must not follow us and learn about us. If she is spying, it is to harm us. Perhaps she is paid by the Sanhedrin for that.' "'Ah, does the Sanhedrin use such methods?' asks Peter. "'Are you sure?' "'Most certain.' I was of the temple, and I know. Lovely. That fits like a glove, what the master just said, remarks Peter. What? Judas is already flushed with anger. That also amongst priests there are heathens. What's that got to do with paying a spy? Quite a lot. Too much, indeed. Why do they pay? To overthrow the master and triumph over him. So they are placing themselves on the altar with their foul souls under their clean clothes, replies Peter with good common sense. Well, the fact is, 
Judas cuts short. That woman is dangerous to the crowd and to us, to the crowd if she is a leper, to us if she is a spy. That is, to him, eventually, replies Peter. But if he falls, we all fall too. Ah, ha, laughs Peter and concludes, and the idol will break into pieces if it falls, and we lose our time, our reputation, and perhaps our lives then. Ah, ha, it is better to try and not let it fall or move away in time, is that right? I instead, look, I embrace him closer. If he falls, overthrown by the traitors of God, I want to fall with him. And Peter clasps Jesus in his short arms. I did not realize that I had done so much harm, Master, says John very sadly. He is facing Jesus. Hit me, ill-treat me, but save yourself. It will be dreadful if I were the cause of your death. I could never forgive myself. I feel that tears would leave burning marks on my cheeks and scald my eyes. What have I done? Judas is right. I am a fool. No, John, you are not, and you did the right thing. Let her come, always, and respect her veil. It may be worn as a protection in the struggle between sin and the desire for redemption. Do you know what wounds are caused on a being when such struggle takes place? Do you know how much one weeps and blushes? You, John, a dear son with the heart of a good child, you said that your face would be marked by tears if you were to cause harm to me. But you must know that when a revived conscience begins to gnaw at the flesh that was sinful in order to destroy it and triumph with its soul, it must consume everything that was an attraction for the flesh, and the creature ages and withers under the blaze of the devouring fire. Only later, when redemption is complete, a second, holy, and more perfect beauty is formed again, because it is the beauty of the soul that emerges from the eyes, from the smile, from the voice, and from the honest pride on the forehead on which God for, God's forgiveness has descended and shines like a diadem. So I did not do the wrong thing? No, you did not. Neither did Peter. Leave her alone. Now you may all go and rest. I will stay with John and Simon, to whom I wish to speak. Go. The disciples withdraw. Perhaps they sleep in the oil mill. I do not know. They go away, and they certainly do not go back to Jerusalem, where the gates have been closed for hours. You said, Simon, that Lazarus sent Isaac and Maximinus to you today, when I was at David's tower. What did he want? He wanted to tell you that Nicodemus is at his house and would like to speak to you secretly. I took the liberty of saying, Let him come. The master will wait for him at night. You can be alone only by night. That is why I said to you, Dismiss them all except John and me. We need John to go to the Kidron Bridge and wait for Nicodemus, who is in one of Lazarus's houses, outside the wall. I had to stay to explain the situation. Have I done the wrong thing? No, you have done the right thing. Go, John, to your place. Jesus and Simon are by themselves. Jesus is pensive. Simon respects his silence. But Jesus interrupts it suddenly and as if he were concluding an internal thought in a loud voice, he says, Yes, that is the best thing to do. Isaac, Elias, and the others are sufficient to keep alive the idea which is becoming known amongst good and humble people. For the mighty ones, there are other means. There is Lazarus, Chusa, Joseph, and others. But the mighty ones do not want me.
They tremble and are afraid for their power. I will go away from these Judean hearts, who are becoming more and more hostile to the Christ. Are we going back to Galilee? No, but we are going far from Jerusalem. Judea is to be evangelized. It is part of Israel, too. But here you see what happens. Everything serves to accuse me. I am withdrawing, and for the second time. Master, here is Nicodemus, says John, going in first. They greet one another. Then Simon takes John and goes out of the kitchen, leaving the two alone. Master, forgive me if I wanted to speak to you in secret. I do not trust many people with regard to you and myself. I am not acting entirely out of cowardice. It is also prudence and the desire to be of greater assistance to you than if I belonged to you openly. You have many enemies. I am one of the few here who admire you. I sought Lazarus' advice. Lazarus is powerful by birth. He is feared because he stands high in the favor of the Romans. He is just in the eyes of God. He is wise by matured talent and learning. He is a true friend of yours and mine. Those are the reasons why I wanted to speak to him, and I am happy that he came to the same conclusions I did. I informed him of the last discussions at the Sanhedrin about you. The last accusations. Tell the plain truth. The last accusations, yes, Master. I was about to say, well, I am one of his followers too, so that at least one would be in your favor in that assembly. But Joseph, who was beside me, whispered, Be quiet. Do not let us disclose our thoughts. I will explain later. And when we came out, he said, It is better that way. If they know that we are his disciples, they will keep us in the dark about their thoughts and decisions, and will be able to harm him and us. If instead they think that we are only inquiring into his life, they will not resort to subterfuges. I realized that he was right. They are so wicked. I also have my interests and my duties, and Joseph has his. You understand, Master. I do not reproach you in any way. I was saying that to Simon before you came here, and I have decided to go away from Jerusalem. You hate us because we do not love you. No, I do not hate even my enemies. You say so. It is true. You are right. How sorrowful for me and Joseph. And Lazarus? What will Lazarus say, who today had decided to let you leave this place and go to one of the houses he owns in Zion? Lazarus is a very wealthy man. A large part of the town belongs to him, as well as much land in Palestine. His father, to his own wealth, and to Eucharias, who belonged to your tribe and family, added the reward of the Romans to their faithful servant, and he bequeathed a very large heritage to his children. And what matters more, a veiled but potent friendship with Rome. Without it, no one would have saved the household from abuse after Mary's disgraceful behavior, her divorce, which was granted to her only because of her position, her licentious life in that town which is his domain, and in Tiberias, the elegant brothel which Rome and Athens have turned into a prostitution bed for many of the chosen people. Truly, if the Syrian Theophilus had been a more convinced proselyte, he would not have given his children the Hellenistic upbringing which kills so much virtue and disseminates so much voluptuousness, and which, imbibed and expelled without any consequence by Lazarus and especially by Martha, infected and proliferated in the dissolute Mary, and made her the disgrace of her family and of Palestine. 
No, without the powerful shelter of the favor of Rome, they would have been anathematized more than lepers. But since the situation is such, take advantage of it. No, I am going to withdraw. Who wants me will come to me. I should not have spoken, Nicodemus is depressed. No, wait and be convinced. And Jesus opens a door and calls, Simon, John, come here. The dis two disciples rush in. Simon, tell Nicodemus what I was saying to you when he arrived. That the shepherds are sufficient for the humble people, Lazarus, Nicodemus, and Joseph with Chusa for the mighty ones, and that you are going away from Jerusalem without leaving Judea. That is what you were saying. Why do you ask me to repeat it? What has happened? Nothing. Nicodemus is afraid I might be going away because of what he told me. I told the master that the Sanhedrin is more and more hostile and that he ought to put himself under Lazarus's protection. He protected your property because Roman is on his side. He would also protect Jesus. It is true. It is good advice, although my caste is disliked also by Rome. A word of Theophilus saved my property during my prescription and my leprosy. And Lazarus is very friendly to you, Master. I know, but I have decided, and I do what I said. We are going to lose you then? No, Nicodemus. Men of all sects go to the Baptist. Men of all sects and position will be able to come to me. We came to you because we knew that you were greater than John. You may still come. I will be a solitary rabbi like John, and I will speak to the crowds willing to hear the voice of God and capable of believing that I am that voice, and the others will forget me if they are the least capable of that. Master, you are sad and disappointed, and you are right. Everybody listens to you, and they believe in you so much that they obtain miracles. Even one of Herod's men, whose natural goodness must be corrupted by that incestuous court, even Roman soldiers believe in you. Only we in Zion are so hard, but not everybody. You know, Master, we know that you have come from God, that you are his doctor, and there is none greater than you. Also, Gamaliel says so. No one can work the miracles that you work unless God is with him. Also, learned people like Gamaliel believe that. Why, then, can we not have the same faith as the humble people of Israel? Oh, tell me, I will not betray you, even if you should say to me, I lied to corroborate my wise words with a seal that nobody can deride. Are you the Messiah of the Lord, the expected one, the word of the Father incarnate to teach and redeem Israel according to the covenant? Are you asking that by yourself, or have others sent you to ask it? By myself, Lord. I have a storm and a torrent within me, contrasting winds and voices. Why do I, a mature man, not have the peaceful certainty that this fellow has, although he is almost illiterate and a boy, the certainty that gives such a smile to his face, such light to his eyes, such a sunshine to his heart? How do you believe, John, to be so certain? Teach me, son, your secret, by means of which you were able to see and understand that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. John becomes as red as a strawberry. He then beds his head, as if he were apologizing for saying such a great thing, and replies simply, By loving. By loving? And what about you, Simon, an upright man on the threshold of old age? You, a learned man, so tried as to be induced to fear deceit everywhere, 
by meditating, says Simon. Loving, meditating, I also love and meditate, and I am not yet certain. Jesus cuts in, saying, I will tell you the true secret. They knew how to be born again, with a new spirit, free from all ties, virgin of all ideas, and they therefore understood God. If one is not born again, one cannot see the kingdom of God, nor believe in its king. How can a grown man be born again, ejected from his mother's womb? Man cannot go back into it. Are you referring perhaps to reincarnation in which many pagans believe? No, it is not possible of you. In any case, it would not be going back into a womb, but a reincarnation beyond time. That is, not now. How? There is but one life of the body in the world, and only one eternal life of the soul beyond the world. Now I am not speaking of the flesh and blood, but of the immortal spirit, which is born to true life by means of two things, through water and the spirit. But the greater is the spirit, without whom water is but a symbol. He who has been cleansed through water must then purify himself through the spirit, and through the spirit he must become inflamed and shine, if he wishes to live in the bosom of God here and in the eternal kingdom. Because what is born of the flesh is and will remain flesh, and dies with the flesh after serving it in its carnal lusts and sins. But what is born of the spirit is spirit, and it lives going back to the spirit of which it was born, after bringing up its own spirit to the perfect age. The kingdom of heaven will be inhabited only by those beings which have reached a perfect spiritual age. Do not be surprised, therefore, if I say it is necessary for you to be born again. These two knew how to be born again. The younger subdued the flesh and caused his spirit to revive by putting his ego on the stake of love. All matter was burnt. From the ashes there arose his fresh spiritual flower, a wonderful helianthus that turns towards the eternal sun. The older one laid the axe of honest meditation to the root of his old way of thinking. He uprooted the old plant, leaving only the shoot of goodwill, of which he caused his new thoughts to be born. He now loves God with a new spirit and sees him. Everybody has his own method of reaching the harbor. Every wind is good, providing one knows how to unfurl the sails. You feel the wind blowing, and according to its direction you can adjust the brails. But you cannot tell where the wind comes from, neither can you call the one you need. Also the spirit calls, and it comes calling and passes by, but only who is alert can follow it. A son knows the voice of his father. The spirit knows the voice of the spirit of which it was born. How can that happen? You, a teacher of Israel, are asking me, do you not know these things? We speak about and witness to what we know and have seen. Now then, I speak about and witness to what I know. How will you ever be able to believe what you have not seen if you do not believe the witness I am bearing to you? How can you believe in the Spirit if you do not believe in the Incarnate Word? I have descended to ascend again and take with me those who are down here. Only one descended from heaven, the Son of Man, and only one will ascend to heaven. With the power to open heaven, I, the Son of Man, remember Moses. He raised a serpent in the desert to heal the diseases of Israel. When I am raised, those who are now blind, deaf, dumb, 
mad, lepers, ill because of the fever of sin, will be cured, and whoever believes in me will have eternal life. Also those who believe in me will have that blissful life. Do not bend your forehead, Nicodemus. I have come to save, not to lose. God did not send his only begotten Son into the world so that those in the world might be condemned, but that the world might be saved through him. In the world I have found all the sins, all the heresies, all the idolatries. But can the swallow flying swiftly over dust soil its feathers with it? No. It only takes along the sad roads of the earth a particle of blue sky and the scent of the sky. It utters a call to rouse men and make them raise their eyes from the mud and follow its flight, which returns to the sky. I do likewise. I have come to take you with me. Come. Who believes in the only begotten Son will not be judged. He is already saved, because the Son speaks in his favor to the Father and says, He loved me. But it is useless to perform holy deeds if one does not believe. He has already been judged because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son, which is my name, Nicodemus. Jesus. No, Savior, I am salvation. Who does not believe in me rejects his salvation and is judged by the eternal justice. And this is the judgment. Light was sent to you and to the world in order to save you. But you and men preferred darkness to light, because you preferred evil actions, which were customary to you, to the good actions that he pointed out to you, that you might follow them and be saints. You hated the light, because evildoers love darkness for their crimes, and you avoided the light, that it might not illuminate your hidden wounds. I am not referring to you, Nicodemus, but that is the truth. And the punishment will be proportioned to the judgment, both for individuals and for communities. With regard to those who love me and practice the truth I teach and are therefore born in their spirits a second time by a more genuine birth, I say that they are not afraid of the light. On the contrary, they go towards it because their own light increases the light by which they were enlightened. A reciprocal glory that makes God happy in his children and the children in the Father. No, the children of the light are not afraid of being enlightened. Nay, in their hearts and by means of their deeds, they say, Not I, he, the Father, he, the Son, he, the Spirit, have worked the good in me. Glory be to them forever. And from heaven replies the eternal song of the three who love one another in their perfect unity. Eternal blessing to you, true son of our will. John, remember those words when the time comes to write them. Nicodemus, are you convinced? Yes, Master. When will I be able to speak to you again? Lazarus will know where to take you. I am going to him before going away from here. I am going, Master. Bless your servant. My peace be with you. Nicodemus goes out with John. Jesus addresses Simon Zealot. Do you see the work of the power of darkness? Like a spider, it lays its snares and entangles and imprisons who does not know how to die in order to be born again like a butterfly, so strong as to tear the dark cobweb and go beyond it, carrying on its golden wings pieces of shining network as a souvenir of its victory, like oriflemmes and banners taken from the enemy, to die to live, to die to give you strength to die. 
Come, Simon, and rest, and God be with you. And it all ends. Thank you.